means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the June 23rd edition of the sunny side of sports. After a long hiatus, it's time to climb between the ropes once again with our reigning prince of pugilistics, Namdi Hollywood Moeta. Sporty greetings, Namdi. Greetings, Sonny. It's been a long time. We say welcome back to the United States after the visit to the motherland, Kigali, Rwanda. A beautiful place. Thanks, Namdi. Namdi, this week, world heavyweight boxing champion Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua announced a rematch in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Namdi, I know the Saudis recently bankrolled a multi-million dollar live golf series, and now they'll be hosting this rematch between Usyk and Joshua how about some details for our sunny side of sports listeners? Yes, uh, the date is set. Rage on the Red Sea. Uh, it's all set for August 20th with Yusik, uh, the rematch. But, you know, um, Saudi Arabia is uh, putting up this money and uh, to bring this fight to Saudi Arabia, to Jeddah. But lots of people believe that... Um, all this is what we call sports washing, whereby using uh, these big events, like you mentioned, uh, the golf, uh, to really cover up the human rights issue in uh, Saudi Arabia. And some other people are also accusing Anthony Joshua of going for the money and then looking the other way and don't say anything about the human rights situation. So... Uh, it's a tough one for AJ, but it comes down to it. Saudi Arabia putting up the money for this mega clash with Anthony Joshua and Yusuf. Namdi, almost nine months ago, Anthony Joshua lost to Alexander Usyk by unanimous decision in London. For the rematch, AJ has brought in Robert Garcia as his trainer. What can you tell us about Garcia and what does he bring to AJ's camp? Sonny, uh, Robert Garcia is a former IBF featherweight champion. And he's already trained 14 world champions, you know. As uh, former IBF super featherweight champion. He's, and he's 47 years old. And he's uh, locally with us here in Southern California. He has trained uh, major stars like Marcos Maidana, Mickey Garcia, Brandon Rio. He brings what we call the Mexican style. The Mexican style is when you go in there, rough up your man, take charge, lean on the guy, you fight dirty, you fight nasty. This is what Robert Garcia will bring to the camp and then make him use his natural size, speed and power, take advantage of all the things. The Mexican style will deliver all that. But... With the Mexican style, you leave yourself also wide open to be tagged or knocked out, which becomes a question of Anthony Joshua's chin. On the other hand, the Mexican style can make you lose 
power and strength in the later part of the fight, which means you run out of gas. So there are two sides to this Mexican style. But the Mexican style is what he needs, August 20. And the man to deliver the Mexican style that will teach him these things in the in camp and will deliver it for him fight night is Robert Garcia. Will Anthony Joshua listen to Robert Garcia? We'll find out August 20. Ahead of the rematch, Anthony Joshua has signed what's being described as a groundbreaking deal with the sports video streaming service, DAZN. Tell us about that, Namdi. He just recently signed a 100 million pounds deal with uh, the global sports entertainment company called The Zone. Uh, this day will be for two fights a year, which means all he has to do is fight two times. And also, this part of this deal makes him a shareholder, special advisor, brand ambassador. Mind you, uh, Sky Sp- he was with Sky Sports in the UK before now, signing his real deal with The Zone. In the US, we watched him on The Zone. So now he's got the whole zone all locked in. Um, all he has to do is to keep winning. Uh, for this kind of money and uh, leverage, no sports figure on the planet has this kind of deal. He delivers August 20, two fights a year. Uh, this deal is just for television. You have not talked about the live gate. You have not talked about the pay-per-view. When you add all that up, Anthony Joshua will be banking for years to come. Will this give him the incentive to get up and fight? Or will this make him say, oh, I have made too much money. I don't want to fight again. I don't want to keep fighting. We find out August 20 in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Namdi, one fighter who I think will be watching the rematch in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, is Tyson Fury, the Gypsy King and World Boxing Council heavyweight champion. After beating Dillian White in April, the Gypsy King said he was retiring. Now I hear he's unretiring. Where do we stand, Namdi, with the Gypsy King? Sonny, you can say the Gypsy King is tap dancing around the big money, and you don't blame him. Um, He's earned it. Uh, He's kicking back to see what will happen between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk. Uh, With the winner of that fight, if it's Anthony Joshua, AJ, then it becomes a big monster money fight, either in the UK or Saudi Arabia, with Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury for the global, what we say, the grand puba of the heavyweight title. But uh, if that don't happen, Usyk beats AJ again. Uh, you look for a crossover fight with the UFC heavyweight champion from Cameroon, Francis Ngannou, uh, for a crossover fight. And that can happen because both sides want to see it. And that's another big money fight. And he can also go into wrestling, which he did before. So... He's in what we call pole position. He can make his money anytime. And he's a showman. He's a character. Fans love the Gypsy King. He brings a lot to the game. So expect him to go for the winner of Usyk 
Anthony Joshua, assuming AJ wins. And if AJ does not win, then he has plenty of options to deal with. Namdi, let's turn to the African fighters. And I understand some sad news recently involving a South African boxer. Sonny, uh, I hate to start on a sad note. Uh, we are in this business of getting hurt, and uh, you can get killed in the ring, or you can die in the hospital. You can end up with a brain damage, you know. This is what happened this month in the month of June. Simiso Butelezi from South Africa died after a fight uh, in Durban. You know, the video that went viral, I don't know if you saw this video because you were in Rwanda. Butelezi was disoriented in the corner. Butelezi was punching the air. And he was winning this fight, you know, he was winning this fight. And suddenly the referee stopped the fight. He collapsed towards the end of the fight, you know, June 5th. And he was rushed to the hospital, suffered internal bleeding from a brain injury. He was gone. This business we are in, this game we love can kill a man, can kill anybody. You can be damaged forever. That's why it's very important. If you, this is something you want to do for the, for yourself, for the future, for your family. You must take it serious. You must prepare before you go for battle. Rest in peace. Simiso, Butelezi. Sonny, huge upsets. Yes, huge upset for 2022. I really enjoy it when African fighters come here and they're supposed to be used as um, as a step stone for a former champion or for an undefeated fighter, and they pull an upset. Remember the name, Jeremiah Nakatila from Namibia. He pulled a stunning six-round technical knockout of former world champion Miguel Bachelt. He's from Mexico. They call him the Scorpion, the former WBC Super Featherweight champion. Six to one favorite to win the fight. And guess what? Nakatila destroyed him. Nakatila has got 19 KOs in 25 fights. Big things happening for Jeremiah Nakatila from Namibia. Big ups, bro. Richard Come, former IBF World Lightweight Champion, makes a return to the super lightweight division. He moves up one step, 140 pounds against former two-division champion Jose Pedraza. This is August 27th on ESPN Live from Tulsa, Oklahoma. A very, very dangerous fight for homeboy. This will be his first fight uh, since losing to Vasily Lomachenko December 2021. Another homeboy from Africa, Royal Storm, Isaac Dogbe, will take on uh, Joet Gonzalez, and that will be July 23 in Hinkley, Minnesota. Dogbe moving up from the Super Bantamweight to Featherweight. Expect action-packed for this one. It's a big clash. Mind you, these two fights are on television, prime time, with millions of eyeballs from all over the world watching these African warriors do battle. We pray for them for safety, and we pray for victory. 
also in closing, yes, with great joy, I'm back in the game at home in Nigeria, my country. I've been working with a fighter, Leko Moibi. We call him Loko T. He's a super middleweight, light heavyweight, and he's 3-0 with three knockouts. He has what we call the fan-friendly style. He comes to fight. He will knock you out. I want to thank my team, uh, Babatunde Koiki, one and only Daddy Shoki, Shoki Baba, and Gifted Cole. Thanks, Namdi. That's Namdi Hollywood Moeta, our reigning prince of pugilistics, who has been firing verbal jabs and breaking down fights on the Voice of America for 40 years. Count them. 40 years. Sporty greetings, everyone. This is Ambassador Mary Onyal, Olympic medalist, five-time African champion in the sprint event. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. The Athletics Federation of Nigeria is organizing a three-day meet in Benin City to select athletes for the world championships in the USA and the Commonwealth Games in England. To find out more, Iron Mike Mbonye called Benin City, where he reached the Federation's head of media, Dare Esan. The Honor Nigerian Athletics Championships we hold in Benin. Uh, that's at the Samuel Obumudia Stadium in Benin City from June 24th to 26th. And this year is going to serve as selection trials for two major events, the World Athletics Championships in Oregon from July 15th to 24th and uh, the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, the United Kingdom. This year we are having the trials solely for the selection of uh, our team to face the World Championships, where we are still uh, going for our first gold medal uh, in the history of the championship. We've won some couple of medals. We've won silver, we've won bronze. And uh, the last time we won a bronze uh, by a Brumen in the long jump. So we are hoping for not just uh, another medal, but a gold medal this time around. Then the Commonwealth Games, I remember the last time we did very well uh, in uh, Gold Coast in Australia. So this time around is coming to England. And it's going to be holding in Birmingham. So the trials will be for that. And I think on the sidelines of it, we also have the opportunity to pick the team for the World Junior in Cali. The World Junior is holding at the same time the Conway Games is holding. Cali is in Colombia. So although we already have some t- some, some boys and girls selected, but uh, the trials will also give us the opportunity to pick uh, one or two that, uh, that will do well there since we have the time to select them. So it's going to be like um, selection trials for three events, two major, then one junior. There are reports that six other countries will join Nigeria during the athletics trials in Benin. What's your take on this? Um, the championship in Benin will also give us the opportunity of uh, qualifying for the relays. As it is now, we've only qualified for two of the relays, and uh, we're actually the 16th ranked. You know, there will be 16 nations running the relays, so that means we are at the risk of being... Uh, been uh, exited as it were so that means technically we have to qualify for all five relays even though we are in two but we are we are we are the borderline so we need to get teams to come and run in in in, in at our trials just like we did uh, last year at uh, the yabakura college of technology where we had zambia i think senegal they came to rome then the republic so this time around i think we are having basically the same countries i think Botswana is going to come um, I think South Africa, Ghana, Benin Republic, uh, there, there, there are about six nations that will come 
to come and participate in the release because that's the rule at least for you to qualify for a quali uh, uh, qualifying meet you need, you need to get some countries to come around i think the the target is two countries but uh, we are doing more than two because some of the countries that are coming have also not qualified themselves so they need to use uh, the opportunity to also qualify so as we are as it's going to benefit or it's also going to benefit them so we've not qualified in the in the men's uh, four by one for example and uh, we have the best crop of athletes in years and uh, so the, the confidence is there that nigeria will qualify we, we've had for the first time in the history of the championship we have at least uh, five athletes who have gone on, under 10 10 seconds so it's, it's going to be it's going to be uh, exciting for, for people to see and uh, uh, the efn is confident that they will get one of the related tickets, one of the 16 related tickets can you tell sunny side of sports listeners how many events team Nigeria needs to get good at timing to qualify for the World Athletics Championships and Commonwealth Games? There are others that have qualified, so they only need to participate at the trial so that they can be on the team to the relay. To be Amusa, for example, has uh, qualified via white cards. You know, she, she won the World, uh, the Diamond League 100 meters uh, title in Zurich last year, so that gave that gives her a white card. To Oregon, even without the white card, the 1244, the 1241 second that she just, she just, she just ran now, gives automatic entry into into Oregon. And remember, the last time she was at the World Championship, she was fourth. So we are hoping that this time around she will get to the podium. Then uh, the Esebume uh, has already qualified too. Um, you know, the last time she was at the World Championship, she was a bronze uh, medalist, and this year at the World Indoor Championship, she was a silver medalist. So she's one of the athletes Nigeria Nigerian are banking on for a first ever gold at the World Championship. So it's a Bruma is already there, Fifo Philly is already there, Rosemary Chukuma is already there, um, Grayson Wokocha, yeah, remember her, the girl that uh, qualified for the Olympics as an home-based athlete. She's now in the in one of the colleges in the US. She was semi-finalist at the 100 meters and 200 meters in Tokyo last year. And she has, she has also qualified for, for both events uh, in, uh, in Oregon. Then for the men, uh, we, we already have a lot of them who have qualified. Fifo Ashila has qualified. Alabakintola has qualified. Udodich Ongu Zurike, yeah. That's another athlete for the World Junior Championship last year. World Under 20 Championship last year in Nairobi. That's the 200 meters winner. He has also qualified for both the 100 and the 200 meters in Oregon. Um, apart from the relays, we also have some athletes that need to qualify outrightly for, 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 the, for the championship. Some are at the very, very due to their world ranking, but there's nothing like automatic qualification because you never can tell what will happen between now and the 26th of June when the qualification window closes. So uh, in the discourse women, for example, Chama Onyekure, there's uh, the African champion, African Games champion, African championship champion, uh, has one leg in, but for her to get the two legs in, without looking at her back then she needs to attain the qualification standard and uh, she will, she is hoping that she will she will throw more than the 63 that she has done this year so that she can firmly get her two legs onto the plane that will be going to oregon then uh, we have shadi olatoye in the hammer uh, that's the girl that won nigeria's first armor yeah armor title uh, in the history of the american championship uh, when the event took place in Mauritius about a, a week plus ago. So she's also having one leg in, uh, and for her to be very sure, to be doubly sure, then she needs to attain the standard, and the championship in Benin provides an opportunity for that. And then the javelin thrower, another record holder, 
Uh, he has the Nigerian record now. I think um, 81.22 meters at a collegiate meet in the U.S., and that is like 40 centimeters over the national record of 81.08 centimeter and meters set by Paul Bazige in 1999. That's Dare Esson, head of media for the Athletics Federation of Nigeria, and he spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Benin City, Nigeria. Sporting greetings. This is a Sebume, three times African champion in long jump. You're listening to the sunny side of sport on the Voice of America. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. I'm Sonny Young in Washington. And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. Also, please note, we've moved our programs to voaafrica.com. There you'll find your favorite VOA TV and radio shows, including the sunny side of sports and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. Now let's go to Kenya, where two-time Olympic marathon champion and world record holder Elliot Kipchoge is lending his name to a new cycling academy. The academy is being launched by Kipchoge's team, Global Sports Communication, and one of his sponsors, Ineos. And it will be located in the southwestern town of Kaptagat, where Kipchoge and other top Kenyan runners train. The cycling academy will be headed by Valentin Trow, performance director at Global Sports Communication. He says, and I quote, We have worked with the great potential of East African long-distance runners for over 30 years, and we believe the exceptional local endurance talent combined with the great training environment at Captagat will be perfect for developing quality cyclists. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Organizers of this year's FIFA World Cup football tournament say there's record-breaking demand for tickets. 
Joining us with more details is my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Doha is the capital of Qatar and the country's largest city with a population of about 2.4 million people. And now the site of the 2022 FIFA World Cup is bracing for a huge influx of ticket holders for the upcoming tournament. Organizers say 1.2 million tickets, nearly half of its population, have already been sold. Hassan Al-Thawadi is the chairman of this year's World Cup. He spoke on Wednesday at the second annual Qatar Economic Forum, where he announced tournament tickets are an unprecedented demand. I mean, in terms of demand, to start off with, I think it's, it's, it's record-breaking demand. I think the last phase, we had about 27 million requests for uh, about 2 million t uh, tickets available. I think about 1.2 uh, million tickets have already been uh, purchased. So people are actually buying and people are excited to come. Uh, th there's no doubts about that. The upcoming tournament will be a major economic windfall for the country and for the local business community. And Al-Thawadi admits it will be hard to stop those businesses from so-called price gouging or taking advantage of visitors and customers by raising prices. I think we're now in operational phase. So in the operational phase, obviously, there's a lot of different elements. One of them, of course, is accommodation, ensuring that the itinerary relevant for the accommodation is in play uh, ahead of time and trying to manage as much as possible um, uh, or avoid price gouging. I mean, obviously, you know, market, market forces always uh, mean that as, as, as long as there's a lot of demand, prices skyrocket, and we've seen it in many previous tournaments. We're trying to create an environment where the business community benefits, but at the same time, it is affordable and accessible for the fans as well. So to try to create that environment, that balance, sometimes is tricky. Qatar Tourism estimates there are fewer than 30,000 hotels in the Gulf Arab state. World Cup organizers say 80% of those rooms will be allocated to guests of FIFA throughout the tournament. However, on Wednesday, Al-Thawadi directly addressed concerns about the cost and availability of hotel accommodations. Uh, in terms of availability, we've tried to ensure that we provide different offerings on different categories. So from the affordable which ranges about, you know, from $80 to $100 a night. A bit more of the pricier ones, whether we're looking in terms of, you know, five-star hotels or even some of the luxury offerings in terms of cruise ships. So we're trying to create a wide range that, that caters for everybody. Another area of concern leading up to this year's World Cup tournament has been the issue of workers' rights. Last year, The Guardian published a report that revealed more than 6,500 migrant workers from South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa have died in the decades since Qatar was awarded hosting rights. And many of those deaths are directly linked to the construction of sites at World Cup stadiums. FIFA has been called on to do more to protect migrant workers who are exposed to forced labor, unpaid wages, and excessive working hours in Qatar. Most recently, the business community in Qatar has committed to reimburse millions of dollars to workers who paid recruitment fees to secure their employment. FIFA President Gianni Infantino has maintained human rights protections are a top priority for FIFA and that the governing body has helped give migrant workers, quote, dignity and pride, despite allegations of human rights abuses.
businesses. And on Wednesday, Infantino reiterated his stance at the Qatar Economic Forum and highlighted the country's progress in the area of human rights. He also emphasized that Qatar is ready to host the 2022 World Cup tournament and that all will be welcome. We've received the necessary guarantees. We are training all the officials. Um, we are working hand in hand with, uh, with the government, with the police authorities. Everyone will be welcomed. If Qatar didn't want to welcome everyone, they wouldn't have organized uh, uh, the World Cup where you welcome uh, the entire world. The World Cup qualifying campaign concluded last week, and all 32 teams have secured their spot in the tournament. And if you want to secure a ticket, the next opportunity to purchase one will be on a first-come, first-served basis on a date that has yet to be announced. This year's tournament will make history as the first to take place in the Middle East and the first to be held at the end of the calendar year. The 2022 FIFA World Cup is set to kick off in 151 days on November 21st in Qatar. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. And just a reminder for our sunny side of sports listeners, the five African teams that qualified for this year's FIFA World Cup football tournament are Cameroon, Ghana, Morocco, Tunisia, and reigning African champion Senegal. And that wraps up the June 23rd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. Thank <laughs> you.